Hello guys, Jacob here and welcome to the next episode of Automated Seller Podcast. Today, uh, I have a special guest, Matt. Hi there. Hi everyone. So me and Matt met at Prospect Show uh, in US. It's like one of the biggest conferences for uh, Amazon sellers. So Matt is a head of product uh, at XMars, which is the AI-powered platform for um, mastering the e-commerce advertisement on Amazon. But uh, yeah, Matt, can you introduce yourself here to the audience and XMars? Yeah, sure. Happy to. Um, so yeah, I um, joined Mar XMars as head of product. Uh, we're developing a software solutions for uh, especially Amazon sellers to automate their daily ads operations. So thinking about like bidding, budgeting, keyword harvesting, keyword negating, all that stuff. Uh, before XMars, I was actually in the e-commerce space for, for a while. Um, before XMars, I was also head of product and also analytics at an Amazon aggregator called uh, Nebula Brands. And before that, I worked at Amazon, actually, in the Seattle office. I was the, uh, I was the global head for brand registry enrollments. So that's pretty much about me. That's nice. I, I can see the pattern here that um, it's either like... Like when when you run um, a software as a service or company related to Amazon, usually the pattern is that first you either worked at Amazon or you were like a successful seller. <laughs> so yes, uh, yeah. that that's really cool. How, how long did you work uh, for Amazon? Not too long, um, a year and a half. Yeah, I I joined there as a product manager. That's kind of where I mm -hmm. you know spend my most of my time in e-commerce as a product manager, as a tech person. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And uh, what was your inspiration to, to joining the XMARS? How did you become like involved there as a PM? Uh, sorry, yeah. not PM, but product lead. Yeah. So I joined XMARS really, um, it wasn't too long ago, actually. Um, it was about like four months ago when I first joined XMARS. Um, at the time, because I was an Amazon aggregator, so I have some experience managing an ad operation team, like you know, PB, Amazon PPC ads. Um, and I was getting to this whole like weed of you know, making sure we um, change our bids or making our budget allocation, all that stuff, like a daily operation stuff. And I was actually leading the team, also making like doing automations. We're constantly thinking about ways automating away some of the repetitive work. Um, and then and then this opportunity came up and then, and then um, uh, that XMARS is actually developing a software. Uh, it has actually been developing this for like a year and a half at the time, um, but it is also going to the US market. Uh, that was last year, the end of last year. So uh, I got very, very, very much interested in, because I have some operator experience. That's a lot of the software guys that they don't have, like don't actually, a lot of software guys, they don't actually have operated in the space before. So I'm one of the few that actually operated as a seller in the past. And, and I thought to myself, well, this could be a great opportunity for, you know, I have enough engineering resource because we're a software company, right? So much more engineering resource than I was at a seller um, to actually make this not just working for myself, for my team, but also working for uh, the industry, right? So... Uh, so that's mm -hmm. kind of the inspiration early on because I really want this thing to work. I really want to build an automated solution to take over mm -hmm. the, at, at you know, the, managing the daily PPC operations. 
Yeah, yeah, that's 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 really nice. And would you consider actually uh, XMars to be like full, that that can fully replace typical Amazon advertisement agency, or it's more like a tool that such agency or or seller can use? Yeah, so we don't um, consider fully replace um, the entire like Amazon PPC work. It's not our uh, purpose. It's not our approach. Uh, rather, we're calling this an augmented approach, which basically means that for an ad manager, especially Amazon ad manager, or even marketing managers that are going to use our software, um, they're going to augment part of that work to the tool. So like think about, again, those four things, right? Bidding adjustment, budgeting adjustment, keyword harvesting, and keyword indicating. Those things are the things that we're, we're focusing on using AI as a solution to help uh, automate or augment. Uh, the remaining of the work, including, for example, like creative um, or setting up strategic goals or um, drive in, you know, incremental sales um, together with uh, promotions and other marketing activities, those things that we just don't think can ever be automated away. Um, so that's why we're, we're beginning, we're taking this entirely different approach where it's calling ourselves augmented AI versus like automation AI. Um, so, mm -hmm. so yeah, hope that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And yeah, let's, let's talk about the AR, AI a little bit more. <clears throat> so when it comes to XMARS, um, and AI components, what kind of algorithms or technologies does it leverage to optimize the advertisement uh, on Amazon? Like how does it work? Yeah. So yeah, so under the hood is a fairly complex system, but um, you can think of maybe, I will try to simplify this, maybe three main um, algorithms mm -hmm. or three main systems that are uh, working together to achieve the goal. There is a machine learning based model where we constantly calculating uh, the correlations between different metrics. Those include CPC, your ACoS, your budget, you know, your conversion rate, all those like the most important metrics that you would think of when doing Amazon PPC ads. And then of course there's this rule engine, which is built based on like a fairly complex um, number of like, almost like a tree structure, right? What would you do if this thing get triggered and, and what, to, what actions to take? And that is based on a lot of the top industry experts that were able to uh, to hire as mm -hmm. in the team to, to assemble that like expert rule-based system. And then we also put on top of that a, a risk control system uh, where we basically make sure for anything, any actions that the system generated through the AI, through the machine learning algorithm and a rule-based automation algorithm, we make sure those things that they don't hit our risk management um, threshold so basically making sure we're not mm -hmm. making any risky moves um unnecessarily mm -hmm. so three systems working together all the time and then it also consumes like real-time data um that makes that kind of you know you know describes our whole underlying um algorithm for ai Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the more data also, the better, I believe. Like initially, oh, yeah. when you were lacking the data, it was probably hard to train the AI. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's a very, very, very similar to 
a lot of the other AI systems where it's garbage in, garbage out, right? Less data, so less accurate output. For us, it's extremely important to have some like high quality data or initial data. So for the system to learn and then gradually uh, with you know the, the results, the feedback loop that the, the AI system will adjust and making better decisions. So it's it won't be this magic system where you once you turn it on, you will see ACOS go down. Or oh, of course, that's kind of the where we hope this thing will be. But um, you know, yeah. normally it will take a few days to learn, and then after maybe a week or two, you will start to see that result. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. And I wonder, like, this is just like an extra question since AI right now is really booming uh, in the world. Yeah. So there's a lot of people just using this keyword without really thinking about it. Uh, but I wonder, since right now, all of, like many new models are getting published to the world and you can like use them pretty much using the API. Have you considered uh, using some of the new tools which are um, made, I don't know, for example, by OpenAI and use yeah. them at XMARS or you just have your own um, like models trained and you don't need them? Yeah, so uh, the key difference between our model versus like, for example, OpenAI's model or whatever, like uh, Google's model is that those models are focused on text whereas our models are focused on numbers, right? So those large language models, they're optimized based on uh, the input, the prompts that you give them. And then also based on all the huge amount of data they consume over the internet, they give you this kind of, you know, the, almost like a made up answers um, based on a lot of like text data, which is fundamentally mm -hmm. different from ours. Our model consumes your your conversion rate, your, your bidding, your CBC, your pricing, all those data. Those are, mm -hmm. um, I, sometimes I make this analogy, which is you can think of our models almost like a stock um, uh, trading algorithm uh, where you have a highly competitive market. People are bidding on different price to get, uh, to try to get the margin, right? To, to, uh, to outperform yeah. the other guys on the market that's the stock market right so it's 20 it's not 24 7 but it's almost like real time right it's like constantly making your bid and making your trade mm -hmm. um very similar with the amazon bidding system where everyone bids on advertising placement uh mm -hmm. except that you know we all bid different prices and trying to get the best conversion rate the best roi that can get from from it so mm -hmm. it's very, very different algorithm if you consider, you know, the, the kind of data they consume and also the environment yep. they are in. Large mm -hmm. language models are more static, right? They consume data for a certain period of time. We consume data more in real time and then make real-time mm -hmm. adjustments based on that real-time data. So it's actually quite different. But yeah, yeah. going back, because for the bidding, I don't think the current developments in AI space, especially with large language models, can actually improve or have any influence over bidding, but it will definitely have a lot of like indications or implications for like, for example, choosing better keywords or optimizing your listing, or even with some of the image models, right? Getting, get better product um, images. I think those things are something that we're 
always actively looking at and see whenever the time is ready and also our customer really wanted, we can start to implement those. But right now we're very focused on figuring out and continuously improve the bidding system, the, the, the totally. game that we're playing right now. Totally. Yep. No, that, that, that's definitely much better strategy to just focus, focus on your strengths and not go with the trend to all of the other stuff. But I just wanted to, to ask this question. I was just curious, but uh, you're right. Yep. You're right. That's totally different game. And regarding the uh, chat GPT, uh, the, the language model, I mean, if you just Google um, Amazon automation or Amazon AI, you will see all kind of examples that you just mentioned, right? Mostly about listing optimization when it just writes the text for you. So <laughs> that's really yeah. interesting. But let's yeah. let's focus on, on XMARS uh, again. So I'm really wondering if you are like um, the seller um, and you decide to, to start using your software instead of, I don't know, working at, with some agency or just running ads by your own, what kind of um, benefits user can expect? Um... Yeah, uh, number one, we expect customers to see their performance improvements. So that include both the reduction in A costs or rise in your ROAS or uh, sales increase, right? But ideally, you should see both, right? Sales increase with also A cost reducing. That's kind of the most ideal cases. Uh, number two is that you can start to think about more long-term strategic stuff rather than focusing on daily operations, like making bid adjustment. Because uh, again, um, a lot of the teams today are already thinking about like using rule-based automation to automate away or you know augment away some of the repetitive tasks. But you can think of us as this a much more advanced version um, of rule-based automation, but with far more rules and also machine learning on top of that to constantly um, looking at real-time data to making those adjustments. Uh, I, I used to tell customers who kind of coming from rule-based automation to, to our platform uh, is, you know, for some of the accounts that we make thousands of moves like larger than the account, we make a thousand of moves every single day. Mm -hmm. um, just humanly, it's just not possible. Yeah. But if you were to achieve that with rule-based automation, you probably have not just one rule-based automation, you probably have a lot of rule-based automation. That over time kind of creates its own complexity, right? Because you once you have over 10 100%. different rule-based automation, you start to get lost. And you need to maintain them, right? I mean, or, or yeah. change them over time. You can't just run one rule-based automation over time. You need to adjust it. So there's still a lot of manual uh, input, I would say. Exactly. So that's kind of like rule-based automation. I think it, it definitely still have its place uh, in today's uh, kind of like ad operation space because a lot of people are still like using that. But I think over time, eventually, this will be... Uh, become, you know, an AI algorithm or a, a system that not just looking at those few like metrics or factors to trigger those rules, but rather a much more complete set, a more holistic look at all of your parameters and making decisions based on all of mm -hmm. that. Um, I think that should be, you know, where we should be going. 100%. I think it's quite similar but correct me if i'm wrong of course but i think it's quite similar case with uh, reprices right it's it's kind of similar you have to 
always analyze your competitors and adjust uh, the price to it. And I, I've built some very simple reprices myself, but they were all based on the rules. Um, yeah. Or like later on, I, I think, because we've been building this for Yale University uh, for professors, and I just built the logic which kind of reprised the item itself because obviously just yeah. uh, working with API, that was like a huge challenge. And then the professors, yeah. they were actually building the algorithms and I think they were initially building algorithms, actually, which are just base rules. But then they were introducing some heavier algorithms. I would even say AI. So I think it's similar game. Um, and, and and definitely, once you um, run those scripts, it's either AI or either some rules, uh, you'll yeah. just always win with the human factor. Like it's it's a numbers game at some point. You cannot just manage thousands of listings. Yeah, totally. I, I think pricing is also this space where um, it's already being automated in some ways. Like there, there are quite a few technology solutions for, for pricing automation. Um, but also at the same time, as you said, right, there, there is, it's not going to be just based on a few rules. It's going to be based on a number of different factors, right? Looking at competitors, looking at the market conditions, and also maybe looking at your own inventory and all those factors taken into consideration. Um, it's gonna be important because I, mm -hmm. I I used to also funny funny enough I I, I used to run the uh, the price you know like a pricing elasticity score um, for like when I was working in the Amazon aggregator and then and try to optimize our pricing based on the marketing conditions because every day you are seeing differently right the, the customer behave differently reacts different prices differently but trying to optimize based on the pricing elasticity. So that's like one of the things that uh, when we talk about pricing. So yeah, it's mm -hmm. a fairly complex issue. You can't just rely on a few rules. It's going to be a lot of factors being taken into account. 100%. And now regarding the um, changes that Amazon does and, and latest trends, like how does your AI uh, or like your whole system pretty much stays up to date with, with the changes? Yeah, so um, Amazon is continue. First of all, it's continually improving um, its flexibility. Like for example, it is adding um, new tar um, placement multiplier for new to brand NTB uh, for a sponsor brand uh, ad type, uh, and then it is also um, adding actually DSP API very very mm -hmm. soon. Um, and all of those things point us to a direction where um, we're in the future or maybe in the near future, we're not just going to look at sponsored ads data. We're also going to look at like AMC data, that, that, which stands for Amazon Marketing Cloud. Uh, and then those going to include like, for example, new to brand metrics, right? And also include um, metrics around your, your customer use base, your customer base, like how much they spend, what's their average spending mm -hmm. price. Um, and then th once those data become available, uh, you will make not just DSP ads, but also your sponsor ads much more efficient. And yeah. so we're moving towards that direction by working with Amazon very closely uh, to mm -hmm. identify the use case and building the tool uh, to put them into advertisers' hands so that the... Uh, no longer just looking at the bidding, you know, the the PPC metrics, but also looking at customer metrics, retail metrics. They'll help them 
you know, just become more efficient or improve their mm -hmm. app performance. Hundred percent. That's that's really interesting. And and I wonder actually, are you not like scared? Let's say that at some point, because I I don't know. Maybe it already exists and it just sucks. <laughs> I've never put like at uh, on like on myself, um, pretty much on Amazon. So that's why I'm asking. But I remember when I was creating ads, for example, for Facebook, that um, at some point there was this button. I, I can't remember what was the exact name, but it was like automatically adjusting the, the ad for the audience and, and so on. So it was kind of just, uh, yeah, it, it was taking care of itself and I didn't have to do anything at all. And I wonder, uh, like, how does it work um, by default on Amazon? If you just run ad on your own, um, does Amazon provide you with some smart um, like bidding or, or something like this? Or that's why you pretty much created the, the XMARS platform because there was nothing like this. Yeah, so Amazon uh, so Amazon has an auto campaign where basically you just define the, um, you know, the goal and then they will um, find keywords for you. Um, but we all know auto campaign alone is not enough, right? You need to build mm -hmm. manual campaigns to have exact keywords, product targeting, you know, phrase, broad keyword, to, just to, you know, just to make sure that we don't leave money on the table. Um, but also at the same time, I know there are other platforms who, um, you know, who are automating this, um, um, but at least like for Amazon, I don't think this is going to happen in the, in the, in the short term, or maybe not even in the midterm, because, um, for Amazon, um, they still want this to be a marketplace, right? So, which means you want to be fair so that everyone competes on the open fair marketplace. And that includes ads, right? It's not just third party mm -hmm. selling it includes ads. Mm -hmm. So if Amazon comes in, take over the whole uh, bidding work or taking over the whole like ads, it becomes almost this black black box where <laughs> where you give some money to Amazon and they, they decide how much uh, impressions or how much clicks they give it to you, but you don't actually have control over right um, how you want to bid it. Uh, I, I, I just don't feel like this is the direction Amazon wants yeah. to go. Let's hope they don't go for that direction because oh, yeah. in that case, and the biggest loser will be advertisers because because uh, we no longer compete, right? Yeah, um, but it's, yeah. It's so. no wonder that Amazon it's not really fair. I mean, de definitely that this case shouldn't exist, right? This would be just terrible. But but for example, like I know that Amazon right now can take your business uh, pretty much within one day. Um, I mean, what I've seen is that when someone is running like very popular brand, very interesting product that Amazon can easily steal the product and create something yeah. very similar, literally, which looks one-to-one. -one. And then I don't know, um, pretty much, I, I believe you are also familiar with this, but once Amazon is starting its own products, they're usually above the products made by sellers, like put, put by sellers. It's, it's like yeah. complete, literally not fair. I, I've been reading some papers about that uh, because yeah. um, some universities did research on those Amazon um, brands and it's super unfair what Amazon is doing with its own products. Yeah, I, I do see some of those reports too. I remember there is a brand that I 
really love is called Peak Design. They even made a video mocking Amazon making a similar product that they, they do. That video went viral on YouTube, by the way. I, th- I, I forgot what kind of product it is, but like check pick design basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, so from, cause I used to work at Amazon. Maybe I, I give you my, kind of my point regarding this topic. Um, so at Amazon, the retail team and the third party um, marketplace team are separate teams. They're under completely different organization um, and data are not even shared between those two teams. Mm-hmm. That's at least to what I knew. So the incentive for the retail team to kind of um, uh, compete on a marketplace, of course, is very high, right? They want to make sure their products are successful. So they will do everything they can within that framework, right? To uh, either copy others' product or whatever. Um, um, But the marketplace team at the same time also try to keep a fair competitive environment, right? Because they ha- they do have a policy, very strict policy that data won't be shared between mm-hmm. uh, these two teams because that would be unfair, right? Yeah. Consi- the Amazon consider the, um, the Amazon brand or Amazon basic or whatever, Amazon essential, those are like a marketplace participants versus what, you know, what is the marketplace? Um, I will tell you why this in the future shouldn't be an issue or at least will become less of an issue, which mm-hmm. is, uh, but this is really from my personal view, the most profitable business in Amazon is actually not even Amazon uh, web service. It's not even AWS. It's actually Amazon marketplace. Uh, but we, at Amazon, there is no organization that is called Amazon marketplace. Well, it's a team, but it's like separate teams. Because mm-hmm. it's being separate by like Amazon, like a 3P team, and then also the Amazon ads team, yeah. um, and also the FBAs and all that. Those are all separate teams. Yeah. But if you look at their profitability, they're the highest. Um, uh, and then retail team, which is the you know the Amazon basics team, right? Those they are selling first party, uh, not first, mm-hmm. not not actually they're not 1P. They are Amazon brands, mm-hmm. uh, white label Amazon brands. They are they actually can constitute a much smaller business and which much lower profit margin. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think it's in Amazon's long-term interest to make money from its retail team. Uh, um, you know, um, kind of by sacrificing the fairness of the marketplace, yeah. because that's where all of their profitability is coming from. Hundred um, percent. So. So I think in the long term, you know, folks at Amazon are stupid. They're super smart. So they know which part of business is the most profitable. So they would definitely have the most incentive to keep that part of business fair and also, you know, friendly to the all the marketplace participants, including sellers mm-hmm. and buyers and you know, partners yes. and all that. that so that's, that's, very... my, that's my standpoint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's no, no, that's very interesting insights, actually. I, I haven't thought about it. The, the this way but you're right i mean they can't just push those amazon brands otherwise people will be super mad so they just push it a little get the profit <laughs> but not enough <laughs> that people won't uh, like will stop uh, selling on amazon so 
there's a fine balance, right? A long-term yeah. profit, a short-term profit, and all that balance they have to keep. Yes, yes, 100%. Um, I wonder when it comes to also XMARS, because you also mentioned that it's um, really based on the data, and, and especially initially, it was quite hard to make it very optimized, like as, as the point that it's right now. Um, but still, I'm wondering regarding like niches or specific products, does it matter which kind of category or product you are selling and will your um, software have like, I don't know, make better bits on specific categories? Yeah. So we are, we developed the algorithm to be entirely category agnostic um, and also price agnostic. Well, pricing is actually one of the factors that we're taking into account. Uh, so it doesn't matter if you're selling a high ticket price item or a lower ticket price item. Uh, AI optimized based on those goals. So it's one of the kind of the inputs that we have um, to to generate the optimal results. But given that said, uh, one of the directions we're we're um, planning for for this year and also next year is that as we um, um, of course we gather more data, we're looking at aggregated data, also the market, the entire market data. We're also developing our algorithm to become more category adaptive. Um, basically, for example, if you're selling in a particular, uh, I don't know, like sporting shoes, let's take that as an example, the AI should be able to learn, uh, not just your PPC metrics, but also your competitors, um, like condition, like competitive situation, and also the seasonality of that category, those things will be taken into account as a mm -hmm. separate factor. Because right now the algorithm is based on like a lot of based on real time data, your CPC, your conversion rate, and then and then your seasonality. Those kind of mm -hmm. issues are already baked into those those yeah. um, metrics. But we're hoping to have this additional layer of um, like almost like a second layer of metrics yeah. where it talks about or speaks to its category specific. Situations like seasonality, for example, the price. Yeah, the seasonality is actually a really interesting concept that I haven't even thought about, but that's like really crazy. I mean, how AI will know that during Valentine's Day, I don't know, some flowers will be sold more, yeah. or chocolates, and then for Christmas, I don't know, like Lego sets, right? This right. is something really, really interesting. Right now, I can totally tell you. I don't think it's, first of all, we're not doing that yet. We're not that smart mm -hmm. yet. Uh, I have to confess. So it's like, I don't want to make this AI, like, you know, super, like it's not there yet. Um, and I don't think the competitors on the market are also doing that yet. Uh, maybe some do, but I, not to my knowledge. Um, but, um, this is going to be one of the directions this is going, but this kind of gets into the more strategic stuff, right? Cause I, I think. There are just so many informations um, that coming at you. Um, there's bidding, there's conversion rate, those are real-time data. The human has a relatively short-term memory, or human actually poor on memory, right? Computers are pretty good on memory, right? especially short-term memory, right? You have RAM, like a super, you have large RAM. So when making those real-time decisions, and also a lot of parameters coming at you, machine does a better job. But versus like, for example, seasonality, those are more strategic long-term metrics. I actually think human does a better job, to be mm -hmm. honest. Um, and uh, uh, 
And then we know, for example, human will know what's happening on social media. They know like for Valentine's Day, what is going to sell or what kind of category is going to sell better than what other category. Those information, of course, they can be quantified. They can be feeding to the AI, but those are more strategic, in my opinion, uh, versus tactical. And I still think human make better decisions or make making better strategic strategic decisions because those kind of involves creativity into it too, correct? Because yeah, exactly. for example, I threw you a bunch of um, numbers. How do you make all of it? Um, especially those long-term strategic numbers. I, I just don't think like today, machines will be able to kind of be able to tell the story based on those metrics yet. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it will be in the future, but I just don't think we're there yet. 100%, 100%. Yeah, I, I, I doubt also that any of the competitors would, would have such a powerful AI. It's, it's almost impossible right now if I think about it. I mean, I would say ChatGPT does, but it's like, again, completely different uh, model. So you cannot just combine those two models. There's like completely different data and, and yeah. algorithm. Um, so no, no, no. I would say if, if someone says that it's has it, it's probably people behind it who are doing it manually. Yeah. So yeah. that's like the, the, the best AI. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, no, I, I, re I really like it. Uh, I, I would um, say uh, I have like last question for you. Uh, can you give us like yeah. a, one big success story um, of a client who was using the XMARS? Yeah, uh, well, I... I... I may not be able to give you the name because I need to, of course, mm -hmm. check with the customer to make sure they're okay. But we do work with a, a lot of large customers. Um, and then uh, and then we also notice that not all customers are acceptable of AI or uh, want to try AI in the very beginning. It's always going to be this kind of trust building process where you try a few campaigns and, and then gradually increasing more campaigns. And then eventually, hopefully we'll get there is where they will put most of the campaigns under AI autopilot so that they can focus on more long-term strategic stuff. I can tell you, um, some of the customers that we work with achieve a really, really good results. So they are seeing both their ACOS going down and sales going up. And this is especially true for customers who are, um, who don't have like a dedicated team managing their PPC ads on, like, on a daily basis. Uh, uh, because we see in those cases, there are, they're leaving money on the table. Like for example, if you're not doing day parting, if you're not like allocating your budget on hourly basis, or you're, you're not doing like uh, the already bidding adjustments, you're leaving, I think at least 10% of the money on the table. That is mm -hmm. just one little thing that our AI does is that we look at those numbers like on already basis because we have access to Amazon marketing stream data, AMS mm -hmm. data. That's all. It's already streaming data. So, um, so some of the customer we see crazy uh, amount of improvements, like forty percent a cost improvements. Like not not forty percent basis for, but forty percent. For example, if you are like. Uh, ten percent ACOS now is reduced to six percent ACOS, like something like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and also, we're seeing sales increase too. Uh, the customers who set a goal to increase their sales velocity, we see sales going up all the way to eighty uh, percent, like on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. We see those cases, uh, but those are uh, like the cases where we see uh, 
you know, good, good results. But in general, over 90% of customers see like improved results after mm -hmm. two weeks. That's, if you give it more cool. time, we're almost seeing much better results. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it has yeah. to learn over time. It's yeah, hundred percent. That's that's great. I mean, that was really informative uh, session, like podcast. So fa thanks a lot, Matt. And do you yeah, have anything sure. to you want to share uh, with the audience in the end? Well, so we okay. So maybe one thing I can I can share is that currently we offer one month for free and no strings attached, no contracting to sign, no credit card even needed, just for the first month, because uh, we really want to get everyone to you know, give it a shot and try to build that trust between AI so that we can, you know, kind of take that augment away those repetitive, you know, in my opinion, really repetitive, um, boring work. Right? And then yeah. so that you can focus on more creative long-term stuff. So that's the direction we're going. So first month's going to be free, no credit card needed. And then, and then go to xmarts.com. You can self-service sign up and then they're ready to go. That's great. Perfect. I will make sure to um, include the link also in, in the description of this uh, video. It will be on YouTube. Uh, so yeah, Matt, thanks a lot for being here. Thanks a lot for sharing all of the insights and, and your story and XMARS. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jacob, for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.